Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural edition of Killing the Buzz. My name is Josh. I am your resident buzz killer here, uh, leading you down the long and narrow and frequently intertwining pathways of horror, suspense, and science fiction, fantasy, pop culture, all those various macabre and entertaining journeys that we take, uh, those of us that are genre fans. I welcome you to the ride. Today is edition numero uno, uh, number one, out of the gun, so I, I just want us all to get acquainted with each other for a minute. I am a fan. I'm a uh, long-term genre fanatic, I guess would be a safer way of saying it. Uh, I've been watching horror movies as long as I can remember. Uh, stowing myself away in the in the dark and watching Nightmare on Elm Street on VHS. My mother will attest to this. I wore that tape out uh, anywhere. I, I believe I was probably around five at the time, to the point of being able to memorize it verbatim, uh, word for word, line for line, because she didn't want me watching it. But you know, you, you do what you got to do. Through the genre, you know, go, going into Halloween, Halloween 5, uh, my first real taste at slasher movies like that, all the Jason movies, stowing away, watching USA Up All Night, you know, Friday the 13th marathons, uh, but also reading. I was an avid reader, a lot of books, and you know, it started full circle with Stephen King for me. Uh, that's truly where Nightmare Fuels became a thing. That's truly where I would stow away and read. Uh, that's what I would find myself drawn to. I wanted dark and macabre. I don't know why. I'm a perfectly normal, functioning, healthy adult with a nine-to-nine to nine to nine job that requires me to wear a shirt and tie and work with the public, and I love it. They they, they seem to like me. I seem to be high functioning there, so fantastic. It doesn't seem to have bothered me, but it does take my mind to some places. So I, I hope you're ready to go to those places too. That's what the goal of this is. It's to be something enlightening, something uh, for you to take the ride with me. I'd like for there to be as many passengers on the train before it derails as possible. Mentally, that's where we're all at. Uh, things are new. Things are growing. Things are changing. The genre landscape has never been richer. So we're going we're gonna to kick into high gear and we're going to see what we can come up with. I hope to do this bi-weekly and maybe introduce you to some things that you've never seen before. I'd like for you to introduce me to some things I've never seen before. And all of that is possible and done through your feedback, through your support. Uh, I'm hoping that this is a, uh, an interesting area where you will enjoy it, you will listen to what I say, and you'll like what I say. But, quite frankly, you know, I look for different opinions too. I want you to tell me where I'm wrong. I want you to tell me when... I'm insane. I want you to tell me why that movie that I love is absolute garbage. Or I want you to tell you why that movie that I think sucks is fantastic. You know, there's no point in it being a one-sided conversation. Let's keep it in the air. The only difference is I have a microphone. So, uh, just when you think you have the answers, I may change the questions. Uh, there's no telling. But, uh, all that starts with feedback, and unfortunately you can't feedback if I don't go into the topics. So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about... The lesser adapted works of Stephen King. Uh, when I say lesser adapted, I, I mean we're going to focus on the TV shows, the miniseries. Uh, that's going to be a big part of it. But we're going to focus on the movies that maybe aren't The Shining or Carrie or the new It. Uh, you know, 
the, the really high-end, you know, the Cadillacs of the Stephen King universe. And no, I'm not talking about Dolan's Cadillacs. Well, what a piece of shit that was. But, uh, you know, no, we're, we're going to go into the, the finer stuff. Now, I'm going to preface that. The reason I'm holding off on the bigger list is because, obviously, a Chapter 2 is coming out uh, this week. Uh, Doctor Sleep's coming out in the very, very, very near future. Uh, I do intend to include those in those list of the premier King movies, the large-scale King adaptations that have made it to the theater, that have made it, you know, have been critically acclaimed. Uh, there will be some mentions of some stuff through this, but for the most part, you know, I'm not focusing on those. I'm maybe focusing on things you haven't seen before, things you haven't seen in a long time, things that aren't maybe necessarily, you know, right there on the top of the Netflix queue for you to be able to watch. Uh, I'd like to stimulate you. I'd like to maybe introduce you, broaden your horizons. Uh, I know... I've been broadened a few times, and uh, it's not always a fun trip. Man, you learn a lot about yourself when you do. So, kick in. Uh, we're going to see how this ride goes. Uh, today, I'll be frank, I, I don't have any sponsorship. I don't have anybody uh, behind me uh, kicking in any extra money. So, this is new. Uh, hopefully, you know, I can monetize this. You know, the, the utter scumbag uh, capitalist in me would like to be paid for my time. But, you know... Uh, until that becomes something I'm comfortable doing, you know, today you're going to be uninterrupted. You know, I'm not going to stop in every five minutes to hit you with the, the new sponsor, the new ad. Uh, that may happen, but I promise you if it does, those are going to be companies that I, I actually support, things that I actually use, products that I actually do, uh, things I care about because what I care about is all that matters. Uh, and, and I like to be able to sleep at night, so. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, just to kind of give you a hint of where we're going with things, uh, I'd like to do this, like I said, every other week. I'd like to take you on a journey. Uh, I'd like to have your support, your cooperation. I'd also like to have your feedback. So bear with me. Uh, we're going to get this train rolling on down the cart. And, uh, I can't think of a better place to start with my King adaptations than what truly is one of the weirdest, uh, most self-aggrandizing things, uh, things that I've watched and enjoyed. Things that I hope you'll watch and enjoy if you haven't seen them. And if you have, uh, I know genre fans tend to love these. So, uh, I just see no other reason. Let's go ahead and get this. So that gets us to Creepshow and Creepshow 2. Uh, in all honesty, saw Creepshow 2 long before I saw the original. I saw Creepshow 2 probably at 10. Old VHS copy. Uh, we lived in a nice little secluded cabin back in mobile nicely referred to as BFE. If you don't know what that means, uh, I would suggest you look it up, but that's, that's pretty much where we were. Uh, got a VHS copy of it. A friend of mine, I guess, had recorded it, loaned it to me at school. Boom, come home, watch it. I gotta tell you, I loved Creepshow 2. Fantastic movie. Seek it out, honestly. Uh, if you've not seen both of them, I do recommend seeing both of them, but uh, Creepshow 2 has a really special place in me because uh, it's just, it was the first thing I saw. It was the first thing I remember seeing. And the stuff was fantastic. Uh, old Chief Woodenhead. Uh, the big Indian in front of a terrible little convenience store. Of a, and we've all been there. Hopefully, if you've ever actually done any driving through the country, you've seen one of these convenience store kind of things where everything's just a little ridiculous. But, um, you know, some people do some dumb things. Uh, it comes back on them. Uh, and... You know, justice is served. And all things, justice should always be served. Doesn't necessarily happen that way in life, but you know, hey, that's what movies are good for. 
uh, I gotta say, the raft I absolutely loved. Uh, I this I don't know if it was the nudity or the, the the small amount of sex, but you know, as a kid, that was awesome. Uh, there's some really really good stuff going on there. There's uh, you know, teenagers trapped, uh, being taken apart one at a time. I don't know why that's always drawn to me, but you know, hey, as a kid, that's what I watched. You know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched Halloween, uh, all the Friday the Thirteenth movies. You know, those things. So this was very much that, but in a weirder, much more crazy setting, I guess. You know, uh, you know, they're in this by choice, and then this monster in the lake, just boom. Uh, you know, you really think it's over too, because the one kid gets away. Always got to be the one kid that gets away. Nope. Nope. Never happens. So, so fun, fun, fun. Ignore some of that popping in the background. That would be my cat. His name is Thor, and he's an asshole. I will we'll leave it at that. You know. But if you jump back to Creep Show, the original, didn't see this until I was a little later uh, in my te late teens, probably early, uh, early high school days. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw this on Sci-Fi. I gotta tell you, man, just as much fun as, as Creepshow 2. I think directed a little bit better, uh, a little cleaner, a little easier to watch. Uh, obviously, George Romero knows what he's doing, so uh, the stuff went really, really well. Cannot stress enough that I would suggest watching this. Uh, if for nothing else, for the cast alone, because I mean, there, there are some people in this that are fantastic. Leslie Nielsen, Hal Hallbrook. Adrian Barbeau, uh, if you don't know Adrian Barbeau, the, the original Swamp Thing stuff, uh, which is fantastic. I can't recommend the new one enough either uh, on DCEU, so if you get a chance, I, I would stress watch it. I enjoyed it. Uh, not perfect, but, you know, things happen. Uh, you know, when you go into those individual shorts, you get Father's Day, the lonesome death of Jordy Varel. Um, I think the crate is still probably the best. Just, just in the entire thing. Um, huge, huge fan of that. The, the, the kind of slow build tension it gives you. Uh, just, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fun to watch. It's schlock. It's, it's, it's not great. Uh, systematic horror. It's not going to frighten you to your core. But it's fun, you know. And that's, that's one of the best compliments you can give horror movies that aren't truly scary. Is are they fun? Because we've all sit through some garbage. Uh, My Bloody Valentine in 3D, I'm talking to you. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can see and do. And, uh, like I said, Creepshow, Creepshow 2, those are both fantastic. And, you know, they're on my recommend-to-watch list. So, quite frankly, uh, from that, now I think we're going to move on to something that I probably can't recommend to watch. So, from there, we go... Cujo, we go Christine, we go to what I will still consider some A-list King movies. Uh, fantastic films, good things to watch. Not what this one's about. This one's about the schlock, this one's about the hokiness. Uh, so, don't really have much of a choice other than to go to the very first Stephen King directed movie. Uh, and honestly, uh, I, I can't remember the first time I saw this movie, but it is probably the most fun and as far as just the concept of this ever, um, it's maximum overdrive. Kurt? Curtis? Is he dead? Uh, you know, 
I can't recommend this more. This is fun. It's just great to sit and watch. Uh, it's an alien, you know, an alien ship passes over Earth, sends down a signal, possesses all of our mechanical beings, our cars, our our computers, our telephones, our, our, our coke machines. God, there's a coke machine kill in this, so this is so good. Uh, perhaps one of the best kills ever uh, in any horror movie, just for being obscenely fun. Uh, there's a steamroller kill in this. Oh my God, it's amazing. Uh, Emilio Estevez is in rare form here. Uh, he's not the best part of the movie. It's, it's weird to me because he really should be. And he's an important part of the movie. He's the main, he's the main protagonist, but everybody else in the movie feels like they're, they're, they're giving that 150% you give and be horror movie. I just feel like he's kind of there. Not necessarily, uh, I won't say he's phoning it in, but I don't feel like he's going over the top like a lot of them are. Which, I mean, that's probably a good thing. That probably helped him a lot. But, you know, Pat Hingle plays the uh, the owner of the, the gas station he unfortunately has to work in. Guy plays a fantastic nut job. This is before he was Commissioner Gordon. Uh, you know, the crazy religious people. Uh, this is fantastic. Also, primo soundtrack. Uh, ACDC did the entire score, the entire, well, I can't say score, it's, it's just ACDC tracks, but uh, the soundtrack to this is, is stupidly phenomenal. I cannot, cannot recommend this enough for just a fun, kind of uh, in, out, and done sort of horror day. If this, is, if this is not one you've seen, please get on it, please watch it. I cannot recommend it enough, guys, so... Quite frankly, uh, for me, probably the best Stephen King romp, uh, not directed or not adapted directly from a full book, but from a novella. Uh, the novella was Trucks, and they ended up redoing this, I think, in the uh, late 2000s, or the, I'm sorry, the late 1990s for sci-fi. Uh, Timothy Busfield was in it, and I remember watching it, and I remember thinking to myself, well, um, there's that. Uh, not much else I can say there. It's it's not exactly fun. It's not exactly great. It's a direct to sci-fi movie, so it is what it is. So yeah, get out there, see this. Uh, recommend it to a friend. Uh, if you can get it on Blu-ray or if you can get it on DVD, please share it, pass it around, let more people see it, let it be known. I'd like to see a really good release of this come out. I know uh, seems like Screen Factory would probably do a really good job of this. So yeah, definitely maximum overdrive. So from there, we wind up uh, passing through uh, the late 80s. Uh, 86 gave a Stand By Me. Not really going to give you much on that because that's that's not what I do here. Stand By Me is a fantastic movie. Uh, it's right up there with Shawshank. It's, you know, it's, it's up there with The Green Mile. Those are great, fantastic family movies. They're fun, uh, but they're not, they're not what I'm focusing on here. Uh, you know, they could be a lot of things there, but... Not what I want to do. So instead, I'm going to go with what's next. And this came out in 87, along with Group Show 2. The Running Man. Oh, my God. Do I really have to explain this one to you? Uh, if you've not seen this, you are doing yourself a disservice. Please, please, please go out and see it. Arnold. At just peak Arnold. You know, uh, Stupid, slokey puns. He is Sub-Zero. Now... 
Plane zero. Uh, every time you kill someone, there's a there's a terrible one-liner. Uh, you know, the concept is fantastic, and the concept feels a little uh, feels a little relevant today. Uh, you know, there's a dystopian world. They're in the future, and uh, when you've committed a crime, you get sold to a reality TV company who puts you on basically trial. Uh, they get to kill you on live TV. Because, you know, it's fun and people win cash and prizes and blah, 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 you know, uh, think a survivor, except instead of fake, uh, danger, they're in real danger and they're probably going to die. So, uh, yeah, you know, they couldn't have done better with the casting too, because Arnold is in, like I said, he's in peak Arnold form. You can tell at this point, he's just, he, he's all in for whatever they're doing with him. And then, you know, you get, quite frankly, the best bad guy I can remember in a long time. It, it's probably the perfect casting. The host of the show that is so well with this, they got Richard Dawson. So, if you don't know who Richard Dawson is, he was the host of uh, Family Feud. The man's been, uh, if you ever stumble down the YouTube rabbit hole like I've done a few times, and you find yourself watching... Uh, outrageous clips from game shows of the 80s, uh, the 70s, uh, you know, some of the things these people say, some of the things that have been done. Oh my God, this man was a machine. He could do the looks and the weird groping and some of that thing. He was fantastic. He made Family Feud an institution. And I, I gotta say, I loved it. But, you know, in this, he plays just the sleaziest kind of TV show host. You know, when he's in front of the camera, it's turned on, and he's Mr. You know, Mr. Charisma, Captain Positivity. And when it's off, he's just the dirtiest scumbag there is. Man, just, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it fully. Also, props out, uh, Jesse Ventura's in it. And I would pretty much watch Jesse Ventura paint. So, you know, uh, the man's insane, and he's fun, and it's awesome. So, more props to Jesse Ventura. We're in a weird age where uh, I don't think uh, enough people have been exposed to to just how awesome Arnold was in the 80s. You know, obviously, I think just about everybody's seen Predator, uh, Terminator, Terminator 2. But, you know, those derivative Arnold movies, the ones that aren't necessarily required viewing, those are, those are where it's at, man. Arnold was just having a good time on this, and you could tell everything about this was fun. Uh, the kills were fantastic. Uh, the the terrible henchmen, the the, the show killers, who uh, had the best names. Uh, Sub Zero, uh, which you know this is before Mortal Kombat, so uh, Dynamo, uh, Buzzsaw, uh, just Fireball. I mean, it, it literally sounds like a bad GI Joe episode, uh, and it's just fun, man. If nothing else, you get to see these guys launched out of a tube and then. Uh, murdered on screen for cash and prizes so uh, man I, I really 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 cannot recommend that enough now that rolls us over to pet cemetery so i'm toyed with uh, whether or not i include this on what will be the bigger list coming later or not the bigger list but the better list but i gotta say no because uh quite frankly Pet Cemetery to me, I love Pet Cemetery.
I absolutely love everything about it. Mary Lambert made a hell of a horror movie there uh, at a time when the kind of things that happened in that movie are not the kind of things you, you, you see in, in, you know, in acceptable movies that are coming to theatrical. You know, it involves the death of a kid. It involves the reanimation of that kid. There's so much about that that just, it, it's, it's hard to sit through at times, uh, especially, you know, now that I'm an adult, now that I'm in my 30s, and I get the concept a little better than I did as a kid. As a kid, it's just a good scary horror movie, but it holds up. It does. The, the practical effects in this, at a time when there wasn't CG, thank God, uh, the practical effects are so good. Uh, the way they cast it is so good. I believe everybody, uh, you know, the guy that plays Lewis Creed, he's fantastic. I buy him as a father in mourning. I buy him as the guy that needs to do whatever it takes to, to you know, fix his family, get his son back to do all those things. You really buy it. At the end of the day, though, quite frankly, Show Stealer, the guy in this is, is I mean, it's Herman Munster, Fred Gwynn. Uh, he plays Judd Crandall. Uh, which is really weird because they're in Maine and he still has that deep southern accent, but sometimes that is better. I love it, man. He's he sets the tone for that movie. The the, the lines that have come out of it, the things that have ever said in there, um, just the way he delivers them, the kind of frankness he throws on there. Oh man, they just they drive it home. The special effects are what really kicked this movie in for me. Uh, there's a few different things that happen. Uh, you you get to meet uh, you get to meet uh, Lewis's wife's name is Rachel. You get to meet her sister, who is uh, whose name is Zelda. And I believe she was played by a guy in this. I'm looking. Yes, his name is Andrew Hubatsik, who uh, uh, does a lot of uh, he did a lot of ensemble acting things like that. I believe he still does that, uh, but the contortionism he does in this, the this the spine, she has spinal meningitis and her whole body's just like contorted and, and just ripped and destroyed. Oh my God, fantastic visual, and she will haunt you for like days. Uh, I still think as a kid that was the scariest part of the movie. Nothing else, you know, all the other stuff that happens, but. The Zelda character is just absolutely horrifying. Uh, I would recommend going out of your way to see it just for that alone. But, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Stephen King plays the minister who officiates uh, the, the funeral over the, the Creed son, uh, Gage. Good chance for him to get in. Stephen King has made it a good point to kind of pop up in some of his movies. Uh, he likes to be involved. Uh, I give him credit for that. He gets to be on set. There's some cool things that happen there. So, uh, also big, big, big shout out to uh, to this for being the first kind of for me and far as far as the King stuff goes. Other than maybe The Shining, to be really truly disturbing. Uh, there's the ankle cut. Don't got to tell you about that. That's just it's bad, bad mojo. Uh, still makes me uncomfortable. Still makes me put my feet up when I watch it. Uh, uh, there's the runner, Victor Pascal, who's, uh, so Lewis goes to work at a, at a university as a, 
on-site physician gets out of the ER so he doesn't have to deal with trauma and death and all the bad things that you get in the ER, especially from, I think he's from a big city, so, you know, he's, he's in here doing this to, to kind of get away from that, and his, like, first week on the job, kid gets run over by a car, gets his head run over by a car, dies on the table, you know, you, you just, you can't make that up, you know, that's destiny, fate, whatever you would think, you know, that's just what happens, but that character ends up coming back in the afterlife to kind of be the the warning, the shield to, to protect this family from what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen. Uh, it starts with the death of a cat. Boom, we bring the cat back. Uh, you know, that's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. Because it begs the question, what do you do? Where do you stop? What do you go through? And, man, just, uh, they do a great job of it. Recommend it. Go find it. Hunt it out. Seek it. Watch it. Uh, I will go ahead and cover the uh, the remake too while I'm sitting here because I saw it in theaters. Um, I liked the cast. Let me uh, let me just go ahead and say I love the cast. Uh, honestly, that's uh, that was the best part of the movie for me by an awful lot. The cast was so good on that. Uh, Jason Clark played Lewis. Jason Clark, I would literally, he's one of those guys that he's not an A-list. I, I, I don't know. He may actually be an A-list. I just, I don't think of him an A-list, but I love pretty much everything he's in. Um, when he plays a role, I feel like he does it well. I think the first thing I remember seeing him in was Lawless. Uh, dude's fantastic. Uh, he's, he's, he rolls himself into every role. He does things that I really love. Uh, they replaced Judd with John Lithgow. Uh, John Lithgow's, oh my God, John Lithgow's the tits, uh, you know, I've seen the guy and everything over the years, uh, but yeah, turned out, standout performance, uh, Dexter season four, I believe, uh, Trinity Killer, uh, honestly, the last good Dexter season, it all goes downhill from there, uh, I can watch up to that point, and then I basically mentally check out and turn off. But yeah, John Lithgow does so well. Now, I don't think it has the same kind of weight as the other one did. And they still skip a lot of things out of the books. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of meat there on the bones. Uh, I absolutely hated that they gave away the twist in the trailer. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert. Uh, instead of killing the infant son, they kill the you know young adolescent daughter. She's in her, I think she's maybe seven at the time, six, seven, fairly young. Uh, she gets hit by the truck. Uh, there was absolutely no reason to give that away in the, in, the, in the trailer. You know, that just, that changed the whole tone for the movie. And, you know, when I sit and watch it in the theater, I liked it. Uh, it had some good stuff. But as a whole, uh, the parts were better than the sum. Uh, I didn't love the ending. I get where they're going with it. It was interesting. It was a novel concept. Uh, the whole family comes back. Uh, you know, part of horror is uh, leaving people wanting more. You know, I think that's a safe way to put it. Give them an ending. Open it up for 
for a sequel or for for something to get them to come back to watch. You know, you you want to you, you've got their money now. Let's get their money again. It's probably the wrestling side of me. You know, you always want to give them a reason to come back for more, especially if a film's going to be successful. You know, you hope everything's going to be successful. You hope everything has to wait for a sequel. And, you know, a lot of times we don't get that. But, you know, this ended on such a note that I just, there's no reason to want to see a sequel. You know, I don't know how you do that. I don't know where you go from there. And, you know, no, obviously I'm not, I'm not advocating that I want every movie to get a sequel. But, you know, I, I feel like, especially in this day and age in the studio's mind, that's, where we go with things. If he's going to make some money, we're going to pump out 10 of them. Uh, you know, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. But, you know, that's just the reality of the business. Everything is about money, as it should be. Uh, but you just, you roll back into, where, where would you go from here? You obviously, you know, it's just, it was a down ending. It was not the kind of ending that, I feel like they did an ending to try to get people to talk about it, to be one of those endings where everybody's just like, oh, oh what did they do? Uh, but I don't feel like it landed. I feel like it kind of fell apart on them. So uh, that's my take on the on the new Pet Cemetery. Do I recommend it? As required viewing with the original? Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, see it, but, you know, I still think the original is superior in a lot of ways uh, the, what the original had to do with practical effects what the original did with you know just a solid crew of acting and with a filmmaker who's you know whose resume was not exactly a strong horror resume you know she did some amazing truly terrifying truly bothersome work uh, you know stuff that's it's nightmare fuel man it's really really good i dig it I think most people should watch it. Great cover, too. You know, uh, the box art for that over the years, the poster art, the the dad's face, and you know, just the way they the way they have it beaten up, and you know, just that that always was nice to me. Uh, also, shout out to Timmy Baderman. Dude comes back from the war as a brainless zombie because the dad buries him. And man, that was just that's kind of awesome to see. I would have liked to see some stuff from the books kind of migrate its way into the movie a little bit more, uh, some more discussion, you know, maybe some, some of the stuff that they discuss, you know, they buried the bull in the thing and uh, it went on a rampage through town until they ended up killing it. But, you know, some of that stuff, what I think would be awesome. Uh, just to be frank, do not recommend Pet Cemetery 2. Don't waste your time. Uh, you know, even even Clancy Brown couldn't save that movie. Uh, it, it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to sit there. Do not recommend it. Just it is what it is. You know, so we're rolling the train, man. I'm, I'm, I think I'm finding my groove. We're gonna see how this goes. Uh, from Pet Cemetery, we go to uh, we go to Misery, and wow. Uh, misery does some big things. So, first and foremost, just to get it out of the way, Misery is directed by Me Dead. It's Rob Reiner. You know, the guy that brought us the Princess Bride, the guy that brought us uh, This is Spinal Tap. Dude's fantastic. 
and, and dude took a swing at some of the more uh, non non fantasy non supernatural horror from King. Uh, truly obsessive fandoms kind of thing. And man, he slammed up that. Uh, you, know, you know, he straight up put that ball in the net uh, in a way that was just ridiculously good. And Kathy Bates is truly terrifying in this movie. She wrapped that role up really well. Uh, you know, uh, James Caan uh, plays a writer who writes these. I don't remember if it's actually said if they're romance novels, but they feel like romance novels. Uh, character named Misery. I, I, you know, obviously, that's not the point of the thing, but he's written all these books and she's in love because, woo, uh, women, you know, love romance novels, I guess is the, the theory there. But she's a crazy nurse who's apparently got a history of killing her patients. So, you know, what could possibly go wrong when he wrecks his car and she happens to be the one to find him? Uh, this is where I think having read the book and then having seen the movie, uh, and the differences, it kind of became a little more crystal clear to me how how we work within those ranges and how we do those things differently to adapt, to, to make it work on screen. And this is also one of the more successful. I feel like they did a thing on screen that's actually better than what they did in the book. Uh, and yeah, I'm talking about that scene. Yeah, you, you know where this is going if you've seen the movie, and if you've not, man, I'm sorry. Uh, no spoiler alerts for a 30-year-old movie, but um, she breaks the man's ankles. She puts a 4x4 four four post between them, hits him with a sledgehammer. Uh, you, you, see the, you see the foot bend, great use of practical effects. Uh, she destroys him. He never walks again. But in the book, she cuts the foot off. And there's this drawn-out kind of thing where it mentions the fact that, you know, as she's cut it off with an axe... She's lifting it up, and he can see his toes still wriggling. And, you know, in, in my mind, in the book, that's that visual is painted perfectly well in my head. I see exactly what that looks like. But I think it's more powerful that she didn't cut the foot off in the movie. It means more that the foot's still there, but he'll never get a walk on it again. You know what I mean? Like, that's just ludicrously good, just the way they did that and the way they delivered that. Uh, you know, James Conn's everything from The Godfather up. The, the guy the guy plays his stuff stupid well. Uh, I feel like he's got a, you know, he, he's got a range that's just, he always seems like he plays kind of a scummy guy. You, know, you always don't like him even when he's the good guy in this, he's the good guy in this. You feel for him, but you still also kind of feel like he's not the nicest person. He's not somebody you would root for outside of the situation they've got him in. Uh, and Kathy Bates kind of feels sweet until you realize she's freaking unhinged. She's a nut job. So, there is that, you know. And in the end, he gets her, he, he, he rolls his magic, he writes her a book, and then he proceeds to kill her with a typewriter. That is justice. Social justice, right there. Kill her with what she loves the most. The printed word. I feel like that should be a thing. So that brings us into the 90s. You know, misery is a big thing. Uh, we're going to roll on down the road here. We're going to go to uh, the Needful Things. Uh, or, sorry, Needful Things. It's 
it's fun. Uh, it's got a decent cast. Uh, you know, Max Lansato, uh I'm drawing a blank here. Give me a second. Uh, let's see here. We got Max Lansato, uh, Ed Harris, uh, JT Walsh, uh, guys that are you know fantastic. And there's some interesting concepts in it. And you know, ultimately, it's about it's it's just a concept that's really 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 hard to load on. But what it comes down to is you've got basically uh, Satan pops up in small town Maine, opens an antiquity store. Uh, you know, he gives you the things that you want the most. He knows exactly what it is, but they come at a cost. It starts out small, and by the end of it, it's you have to kill people to get what you want. And, you know, I would love to say it's a great movie. Uh, it is a long movie. And I just, it's it's not, it's not particularly fun. So, just, it is what it is. Uh, I, I like the cast. I like some of the parts, but the the, the sum as a whole, just not where it's at. So, uh, worth to see if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you can block off four hours plus to uh, sit and watch it, you know, by all means, go ahead. I don't think you'll hate it, but I, I don't know that you'll love it either. So, there is that. Uh, I'm going to go past Shawshank. Like I said, that's not for this kind of a situation. That's not something I'm going to go through. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the middle here before I get to my next one. But, you know, Dolores Claiborne. Uh, kind of gets a mention up there with uh, Misery as a good, serious, taut kind of thriller, more than a horror. Um, thinner. Uh, um, at Pupil, based off of a novella, a fantastic novella. Uh, it's uh, different seasons. Uh, I loved, I loved the story. It is weird and uncomfortable and jarring. And uh, it's uh, descending to like his teenager's complete collapse of mental stability into him basically becoming a, a sociopathic murderer. Uh, the movie, I don't feel like did it. I don't feel like it captured it. Great cast, but no, just, you know, the, the story works so much better than the movie. Uh, Green Mile, we're going to, we're going to pass over to Green Mile. Now we're going to go into <laughs> something that I absolutely, absolutely love. And it is, the epitome of not good, uh, but it, it's so much fun. 2003, uh, Dreamcatcher came out. Uh, Dreamcatcher is, for me, it is bad, terrible, horror movie fun for the first half. Falls apart in the second. Uh, the rest of the movie doesn't do it for me that much, but the absolutely ridiculous cast. Morgan Freeman. Thomas Jane, Jason Lee, Damian Lewis from uh, uh, Homeland, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Timothy Oli Perfect, uh, you know, Raylan from uh, Raylan from uh, Justified. He was also, you know, he's he's been a little bit of everything. Tom Sizemore's in this. Donnie Wahlberg's in this. The cast alone makes this, you know, this this should be required viewing if it were better than it is. But it's, it's, it's just so much fun. It's, it's pure schlock. First half of the movie, it's it's four friends in a cabin getting drunk, and they have a, this weird psychic link between them. But, you know, they're all uh, they're all dealing with this. 
unfortunately, apparently aliens have uh, landed and, uh, you know, it kind of blows up. But, you know, this is fun, guys. Go see this. Find this. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan directed. Um, just to kind of put that in perspective for you. Lawrence Kasdan has been involved in a lot of stuff. He's got, he's been nominated for four Oscars. Uh, he's, uh, he was, he's a, he's a major part of the Star Wars universe now. He writes for a lot of that stuff going on. Um, you know, but his directing credits to me are fun too. Um, he directed the, the 90s wide earth movie starring, uh, uh, Kevin Costner, which is fantastic. Good fun to watch. A little long. He directed Silverado, The Big Chill. You know, a weird, a weird collection of serious movies, and then he does this. Just pulls it right out of his backside. I love it, and uh, it's great, stupid fun, and it has probably my favorite, one of my favorite kills ever, just ever. Uh, it, it has, it has the alien in the toilet, and yes, it kills Jason Lee by climbing up his ass and eating him from the inside. Uh, if only he could have left those toothpicks alone. That's all I'll say. See it. Please do see it. Please do see it. This movie needs some love. Uh, this movie, early DVD releases that were really good. This is right up there. Uh, man, I, I just, it's so much stupid fun. Stupid fun is where it's at. You know, if nothing else, that's, that's what horror movies should be. They should be fun. If I have to overthink in one, I'm not doing it right. You know, um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's some deep philosophical horror out there, but, you know, these aren't the kind of movies you're watching for that. These movies are meant to be something special, you know, something that you sit through and you go, wow. Uh, from there we jump up. Uh, I'm not going to go into Secret Window. I don't like Secret Window, and I don't recommend Secret Window. Nothing to do with Johnny Depp, nothing to do with the acting. The movie is just redundant and repetitive and... I don't find it worth watching. Don't do it. It's just, it's stupid. And the twist, you can see the twist coming in like the first five minutes. Uh, you know, so everything about that's bad. Um, we go from there to Riding the Bullet, which was a sci-fi, uh, sci-fi exclusive, I think, a direct TV. I remember trying to watch this probably four or five times. It would be on and I would try to watch it and I couldn't get through it, so. Speaks volumes for it, man. I could sit and watch White Noise for five hours and not know the difference. Um, I couldn't get through that. Like that, just that movie was so boring that does not warrant it. But that brought us into 07. 07 have probably two of my favorite. I won't say the best Stephen King works, but two of my favorites, just for what they are. Uh, the first one is 1408. Which, if you haven't seen, is in, it's it's like a if you had to create insanity as a motion picture to be able to show somebody what insane truly is, I think 1408 does that. Um, uh, so John Cusack, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know Cusack plays this haunted. I can't remember if it's just hotels, but haunted places debunker. He shows up, he goes through the thing, he sits through the blah, 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 and at the end of the night, he writes about how it's all crap. 
And the few times they've been real, I guess he sells them out. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's, they've lost their daughter. He's going through a uh, midlife crisis, you know, death of a child, no longer with his wife. They've split, but I don't think they're divorced. But he, you know, he, he boozes, he self-medicates, he keeps himself happy doing this crap. But, you know, then he shows up to this hotel and Samuel L. Jackson is the, the manager. And boy, if he's trying to sell him into not doing this, he's doing a terrible job because, like anybody, instead of actually, you know, instead of trying to, to undersell it, he oversells it, I guess. Uh, he begs him not to go up there. He makes him a cash offer. He makes him, you know, all these offers not to do it. And I will say, as a person who's, you know, into this kind of thing, if you told me not to, that's going to make me want to do it like five times more. So, you know, all that does was up it. And then, of course, you know, he does it. Uh, what a freaking thrill ride this is. Jesus. Just the pure insanity. It starts literally the second he goes into the hotel room and shuts the door. You, you really don't know what you're in for. And it keeps that tension, that kind of unbalanced, unnerving tension all the way through to the very end. It is a fucking train ride. Uh, I think that's my first F-bomb, so uh, congratulations, you made it this far. Yeah. I'll try to keep those brief and uh, to the point throughout this, but this is insanity. Uh, if you make it through this movie, you're doing well because it's just it's hard to follow. It's hard to keep up with till the end because there is a lot going on. Uh, the scene where he's uh, you know he's trying to signal the guy across from the next hotel, and, you know they're doing the wave thing back and forth, and then you realize it's him, and it's a mirror of the same hotel room, and it's just man, what a throw out. And then that ending, it's a great ending. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson really played it up. Uh, you know, they burned the whole hotel down, but, you know, Samuel Jackson, it's understated, it's undersold, it's not Samuel Jackson being his over-the-top Samuel Jackson-ness, you know, no motherfuckers in here, but, you know, he, he, he does really, really well. He keeps it moving. Uh, he plays his role well. Man, I, I think I bought it. Actually, I bought it, funny enough, I bought it in a box set. With the second movie from that year, which is The Mist. Uh, so, that, I guess that just segues us right on over. So, The Mist is directed by Frank Darabont, who did, uh, he did uh, Shawshank and he did The Green Mile. Uh, who got his work started with, uh, you know, with Stephen King. Uh, and, and I gotta tell you, man... The Mist is uh, about as heart-ripping and gutting a movie as you can watch. Um, it does some things that uh, I'm, I'm honestly was amazed it made it in through the theaters. You know, it made it, they let some of that stuff go. Uh, Thomas Jane is, is fantastic. I love the guy. He's still my punisher. You know, actually, no. No, no, I, I think uh, John Bernthal is my punisher now, but Thomas Jaden was my punisher. So, uh, but, you know, he plays a dad. Uh, they're going to go grocery shopping. There's a, there's a fire growing in over the hill. Uh, they get to the grocery store and all hell breaks loose. They're trapped in the grocery store because there are giant monsters in the fog. And they're doing 
a rather large amount of bad things. And you really start to find out what the hell's going on. And you really see who's who when you're all trapped in a room together. Uh, the absolutely crazy religious nut job lady in this. Uh, so unlikable. She, she plays the fanatic role to a T. Christ. Uh, trying to find her name. Yeah, Marsha Gay Hartman. Okay, that's it. Yeah, she plays Mrs. Carmody, who ultimately decides that the only way to save the day is to sacrifice the kid. Uh, so, you know, of course, they fight back, they kill her. That's all they can do. Um, they escape, you know, and you keep, they keep waiting for things to get better, to get away from it. And they run out of fuel. And a gigantic, like, I'm talking like four-story tall monster, like walks over them and I think they kind of all realize hey uh, we're fucked not much we can do here so uh, Thomas Jane playing the role of a loving father uh, takes his revolver and builds everyone in the car to avoid them the fate of possibly being eaten or worse and runs out of bullets before he can take care of himself uh, man just unsettling, bad, just uncomfortable, especially when the army shows up literally two minutes after he does it to say that they've saved the day and they killed all the monsters. You know, how do you live with yourself after that? I don't know. That's the question. Uh, this is a hard watch. I, I, I love it. Um, I've seen it a few times, but it is absolutely hard watch. Do not... I do not stress that this is fun. I do not stress that this is a great afternoon. Uh, but I like it. I recommend it if you're in that kind of mood for, for something that's not going to be happy and for something that's not going to keep you going. Uh, a lot of fun there uh, in 1408. Not nearly as much fun there in The Mist, but both are great viewing. Um, both well-directed, put together, uh, paced in a, in a good way. Uh, you know, that keeps you watching. I don't find myself bored, even though I've seen them. I don't find myself wandering. I don't find myself looking at my phone. You know, I'm tied up in it. I'm invested in it. That's the best thing a movie can do is invest you in it. If it takes you away from reality for five minutes or for two hours, you know, it's done something. Uh, so, you know, I go from there. Recommend both. Uh, they're both vastly different kinds of viewing experiences, so keep that in mind. Uh, I'm also not going to cover the Miss TV show because I'll be frank, have not watched it. Um, I said at the beginning I won't, I won't try to critique or give insight onto something I haven't seen. That I haven't seen. Not much I can do there. So you know, uh, I, I intend to at some point get a chance to sit down and watch it, but you know it is what it is. So you know, let's bounce forward. Let's keep us moving here. We're actually. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm doing better than I thought I was going to be doing. So we're, we're, we're not bad on time yet. So from there, we bounce up into the 2010s. A few things that I didn't watch or didn't care enough to, to mention. Uh, the Carrier remake, you know, not required viewing. It was okay. The, the original is, uh, you know, that's one of the, for me, the best horror movies ever made. The, the remake couldn't do much there. Neither could the direct TV remake. Neither could the terrible, terrible sequel. Uh, none of that really deserves much uh, 
much credit here, so I'm not gonna not gonna give any real push to that. That brings us into the 2016s, which we had a few different awesome awesome things happen, um, and then we had the Dark Tower. Uh, I've read all the Dark Tower books for just for complete disclosure. I'm a huge fanboy of the series. I'm a huge fanboy of the universe that it creates. I've read all the books. Uh, for a movie that I was so well casted, and I was so happy that they finally got rolling, I absolutely hated it. I did. I hated every bit of it. None of it was... Watching it was a waste of my time. I don't know how you fell so miserably to adapt it, but they went completely outside of what the, the stories are, uh, and nothing about that was fun. Nothing about that kept me going, and the less said, the better. Uh, I was not happy with it. Some people have loved it. More power to you. Uh, I will. I literally watched it at the drive-in. Would not watch it again. Uh, it chapter one. I will be covering once it chapter two comes out and Doctor Sleep comes out. Uh, Fantastic, but I'm not going to go into detail there. Uh, I will be coming around to the other it here when I get into miniseries, but for the moment, uh, we're going to skip it chapter one because uh, that's going to be its own separate thing. So, Gerald's Game. Uh, part of two uh, Netflix things that happened. Uh, we had Gerald's Game, we had 1922, both hit. Uh, Netflix in uh, 2017, both of which are ridiculous fun. Uh, 1922, Thomas Jane flick. Uh, I won't say much about it. Uh, it's it's just fun. Gerald's Game is uncomfortable and unnerving. Exactly what the story is supposed to be. Exactly what you know. A lot of people think of. Uh, it's it's hard to watch, man. It 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 does a, a number of things that I don't. Man, just... So, long story short, premise uh, is pretty simple. You know, husband and wife trying to uh, to rekindle that uh, that connection that they haven't had. Uh, they go to a cabin. They uh, they decide to, to 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 get in a little freaky, uh, little freaky fun time. He handcuffs her to the bed so he can uh, you know work some of that uh, that magic, and then. Poof. Heart attack. He did. She locked to a headboard. Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, what do you do there? Ain't a lot of people are coming to look for him. So, uh, then it becomes basically a psyche study. You know, what does this woman go through laying in bed next to her dead husband with her hands strapped to the headboard? Dude, I gotta tell you, uh, I don't know what I'd do in that situation. I hope you don't know what you do in that situation. Uh, that shit's scary, man. Uh, they, they they went crazy with that. Hell of a cast. Uh, Carlo Gugino on there. Uh, you'll see her. You know, she's she's done a lot of stuff. Uh, this is probably the first thing I remember having a really leading role, but uh, she was the original Silk Spectre and uh, not now or uh, not not uh, Watchmen. Uh, but you know she's done a lot of stuff over the years. She was in Sin City. Uh, you know she's done a lot of these, a lot of roles. Uh, 
but man, she she hit it out of the park as far as playing uh, uh, Mrs. Berlin game. Uh, there is the uh, the truly uncomfortable uh, scene in the movie. It's uncomfortable a lot, which is which is fine. I mean, that's what this should be. But there is a, there there is a particular scene, and it involves what we refer to as degloving. Uh, you got to get handcuffs off. And uh, it's not always going to be a comfortable way to do it. So I'll just say the fact that that hand rolls, that skin rolls right back over. Uh, man, that was uh, that's up there with the uh, with the angle cut on Pet Cemetery for me. That's just yeah, a little rough to watch. Not exactly fun, but man, this is just it's good fun. It's I would say it's date fair. Again, I'm a little fucked up, so, you know. But, you know, if you've got the right lady, uh, or, you know, if you're a lady and you got the right gentleman, and, and y'all y'all are into, y'all are into the, the macabre, I definitely recommend it, man. My, you know, uh, Mike Flanagan is absolutely killing it. Uh, if you're not familiar with who Mike Flanagan is, uh, just to kind of, just to kind of break you in on this, uh, let me pull up this man's. Uh, let me pull up this man's uh, resume right quick because he is uh, absolutely doing the job. So uh, he is a fantastic director. He sticks in mostly into the horror genre. Uh, he's done some great stuff. Uh, he did the Haunting of Hill House show on. Uh, on Netflix, which a lot of people I know liked. Uh, he is currently directing Dr. Sleep. Or he, I guess not currently, it's it's done, it's in post, but uh, it comes out in, uh, I believe, November. But, you know, uh, he did Hush, which is on Netflix, which if you haven't watched, it's fantastic fun. Uh, I definitely recommend going to see that. Uh, just going backwards here. Uh, Oculus, which was awesome, awesome fun. Uh, again, go go see go see Oculus. Dig that up because I believe WWE bought the uh, the rights to release it uh, based on the strength of it. Uh, Oculus to me is a lot like 1408. Not exactly a happy ending, but man, well crafted, well built. You don't really know exactly what's happening at any point in time in the movie until it's over. Uh, Katie Sackhoff's in that. Who? Uh, yeah. Girl crush all day. I uh, love Katie Sackhoff. Uh, she 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 is the female Carl Urban to me. She can do no wrong. I will watch her. I will. I would literally watch her breathe. Like you know, for me that would be just fine. So, uh, but you know, that, that's it. That's where we're stopping on what I will call major motion pictures. Gonna take a second here. Uh, we're going to roll our way on over into, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and do uh, some, uh, some miniseries, guys. So, you know, 79, CBS gave us the Salem's Lot miniseries. Uh, if you get a chance to see that, I, I wholly recommend it. They did a lot of really awesome stuff with that. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, it's it's... 
It's about vampires that have taken over a small town. Guy comes home, brings his kid with him. Uh, he's a writer, uh, kind of a thing. Stephen King likes having writers in his books, which you know, makes sense. He can assume that viewpoint while he's doing it. Works pretty well for him. He knows the he knows the headspace, so it's fairly easy for him to do. Guy comes home to his hometown with his son. Uh, the whole thing has been uh, taken over by vampires. Now, uh, I'll be fair. I've not read the book. I'm not going to give anybody insight as to whether or not it follows the book that well. Uh, it's been on my list, but it's just not one, uh, or not, not, not that it's a book, but the short stories. Uh, not really, uh, I've not read them. I love this miniseries, though. And no, 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 no. I ignore the later, ignore the sequel series, and ignore that whatever came out in the late 90s, 2000s. Uh, I wanted to see it. I sat through like 15 minutes of it, never turned it back on again. So, um, no, the original is fantastic. The, the, the creature effects they used are insanely good. Uh, the, they went with that Nosferatu style on the, uh, the vampires, which is, you know, kind of old hat. Really does well for them. Uh, I would like to think that, you know, we see more of that. Uh, sadly, outside of uh, what we do in the shadows, which God knows I'm going to recommend you see the movie and I'm going to recommend you see the show. But, you know, different subject. Uh, you know, that style of vampire to me is kind of terrifying. Because it's humanoid. It's it's still personal, but uh, it's not it's not a human. It doesn't feel human. You know, the modern you know, romantic vampiring kind of things are, uh, they're, they're weird to me. That's what, I want a vampire to be inhuman. And they really pull that off in that. Uh, you know, this, this isn't a, there's not a lot of standout stuff on this. Uh, there's not a lot to it that, you know, makes you go, wow, it's amazing. But there is a particular scene. Uh, let me find out. There is a particular scene, and I can't remember which part it's in. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think, and I think with the way I watched it, I watched it all through once. But so there is what is honestly probably one of the most disturbing, just freaky scenes. And if you get a chance, uh, you can search it on uh, YouTube. It's the Salem's Lot window scene. I don't recommend it. I recommend seeing the movie and see it in context. But even just seeing it in that, that's some fucking nightmare fuel, man. That rolled out in the 70s, and it looks good. You know, so they did really well with that. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're interested in, if you're down for a, a long-ass fun vampire romp, that is definitely one of them. Uh, it's long. I ain't going to lie there. Uh, all the King miniseries are. But that brings us to the 90s. Man, Stephen King didn't write a book that they didn't uh, decide to option for a miniseries. Uh, so I'm going to go through a few of these. We're going to be, uh, we'll start with, uh, with the first, the most notable one. We're going to start with it, 1990. Uh, this is great, man. Uh, the book. You know, I've read the book several times. I love the book. Uh, does this differentiate from the book? Yes, yes, it does. 
the, the things you've got to know that make this the reason, you know, it, it's paramount viewing for me is that it was direct to TV. They couldn't get away with uh, the swearing, the sex, or, you know, the, the, the things in that book that are, you know, things that we discuss to this day as being how the hell are they going to adapt that? Well, they damn sure couldn't adapt it when it was on TV. So, you know, I, I give them a pass for leaving a lot of that stuff out there. You know, the kid orgy, that's just, there's not a chance in hell that comes on TV, especially not network TV. Uh, you know, it would be different if HBO was making this back in the 90s because God knows how to put everything in there. But, you know, this was on uh, this was on ABC, you know. Uh, for us, that's Channel 2. You know, that's, there's no way they do that. But the things we got in that, you know, Tim Curry as uh, Pennywise, Christ, that's fucking, that is Pennywise. Uh, you know, even as much as I absolutely love the new movies, you know, when I read quotes from Pennywise in the book, you know, it's Tim Curry in my head doing the voice, you know, uh, the, the guy had presence and timing that, you know, Bill Skarsgård is fantastic, but man, Tim Curry, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he was a major leaguer going down to the minor leagues and hitting them out of the ballpark with that one. Uh, great freaking cast, too. You know, uh, John Ritter was in that. And, you know, just, just the, the way they directed the whole thing. It feels truly, truly terrifying. Um, the, the various things that they've done in there that have actually stood up really well. Uh, just going back to the cast, you know. Uh, Richard Thomas, Harry Anderson, um, you know, those guys, all fantastic actors. And, and it, it would, would have been a true ensemble at that point in time, especially out of television personalities, but guys that were instantly recognizable. Guys you look at and guys you go, I've seen him in things, I know who he is. Even if I don't know him by name, I know the characters that he's played, you know, so. But I got to tell you, man, this is... When you think of the, the, the proper, the really good miniseries, and this is number one, this really is. Uh, then it rolls over to The Stand. This was 94. Now, I'm going to roll backwards, but I'm going to go with The Stand first. Uh, the Stand is the other standout miniseries. Um, I've read the book. Man, the book's such a hard freaking read. If you go with the full version, the unabridged version, it is so long, but it is so worth it. And... and how do I think they did with the miniseries? I, you know, for what they were working with, I would say a solid tip for you know for what was available at the time, for for the constraints of uh, made for TV, for the constraints of network TV. Uh, this is tits. Uh, it really is where you know this was a this was a, this was a, this was a home run. Uh, does it stand the test of time though? Yeah, I can rewatch it. I can rewatch it. Does not hurt my feelings to rewatch it at all. Um, I've sat through it a few times. Uh, casting is fantastic. Uh, yeah, Molly Ringwald's in it. Who? Yeah, you, you weren't a kid in the '80s, '90s without knowing who Molly Ringwald was. Uh, Gary Sinise. Uh, you know, just a ridiculously good cast. A good run through people. Uh, Rob Lowe was in this, and they did the worst thing they could do to Rob Lowe. They made him deaf and mute. 
God, I kind of love that. I, I get a kick out of that. Um, you know, watch this. This is this is truly how people. You get to see what happens when the world stops. This is this how people react? I don't know. You know, it's all speculation, but. You know, the build-up in this is really good. And i got to tell you, the opening, it opened with Don't Fear the Reaper. Nothing has ever been more perfect, ever, 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 ever. Uh, if I, I know they're remaking this. I know they're, they're, they've are cast it pretty well from what I've seen. Uh, it looks like it's going to be good. You know, hopefully they, 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 they stick to it. Uh, if it doesn't open with Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Don't even bother. Like, just go ahead and stop. Uh, you know, but this gave us Randall Flagg, who is a crossover villain amongst the Stephen Kingiverse. Uh, you know, uh, he is, he is, I, I don't know if he's officially the devil, but he's the, he's the guy pulling the strings. He's the guy, you know, conquering the evil. And the guy that played him was fucking fantastic. Slimy kind of charisma to him, uh, Jamie Sheridan, uh, big part of Law and Order. Um, he's been, you know, in a lot of places, but you know, in this, just, he just feels he feels very scummy. Uh, you kind of get that feel of this is what this is what you would do, you know, in that situation. This is the guy that would be doing that. He's got like charisma to him. Uh, he delivers some like hokey one-liners. I, I still think my favorite is when he introduces himself to dude in the prison scene, and his answer is, uh, he goes, who are you? And he goes, uh, he, he tells the dude his name, and he goes, pleased to meet you. Hope you guessed my name. You know, that, that was just, you know, stupid, but amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, so for me, you know, that's, that's, that's number two in the, uh, the old, uh, old fantastic realm of, uh, the miniseries, but that brings us to what I consider to be the forgotten miniseries. Uh, the one that a lot of people don't, that haven't seen. Uh, and, and sadly, uh, I've tried to find it. I haven't found it, like, for release. Uh, I've looked for, you know, there's trailers for it online, but the Tommyknockers came out in 93. I remember it being fantastic. Uh, you know, Jimmy Smith's is in it. Mark Helgenberger's in it. Um, not a ton of other big names, but uh, Tracy Lords is in it. Uh, just going down the list, but you know, this was ninety. This was ninety three. Uh, so basically, Mark Helgenberger is uh, she's a recovering alcoholic and a poet. Lives in small town Maine. While in her backyard, I believe she was walking her dog, stumbles across a thing in the ground, little block, starts digging it out. It starts uh, drawing people to it, more and more people to it. Uh, it turns out it's a fucking spaceship. Uh, these things have been, uh, they're aliens, and they've been, you know, kind of uh, corrupting this small town for years and years and years and years. Uh, Jimmy Smith's, is a recovering guy. He, he's, I believe he's your sponsor. Uh, also a romantic interest, but he, uh, he's a writer as well. And he shows up and, you know, it just, 
this was fantastic. And it's not fresh enough in my mind for me to be able to tell you how good it is. But it was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find a... Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it released anywhere. Uh, see if, you know, even if it's just a bad YouTube version. Uh, I hate to say that I do that, but, you know, there are some things you just can't find unreleased. So you, 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 you get around it. You find ways to watch it. Uh, if I can find it, I'll post it uh, on the same place I, I put this up. But, you know, I definitely recommend, if we ever find this, to watch it. I liked it. The book is, is ridiculously good. Um the movie was great, so uh, at least I remember it being great. Uh, you know, not everything holds up for the 90s, but I, I thought it was well cast. I remember it being kind of unnerving, especially Aliens, you know, around that time. So, uh, And then we rolled to 97. We rolled to the Shining remake. Now, I left the Shining off earlier. Uh, like I said, that's a different list. That is the, the primo Stephen King list, uh, but, you know, we're going to go through the remake. And the first and most important thing that you need to know about the Shining remake, the uh, the miniseries version, uh, is that it was directed by, let me confirm this, yeah, uh, Stephen King wrote the adaptation himself and was directed by Mick Garris. Who, uh, if you don't know who McGarris is, uh, McGarris is a fantastic horror director. Uh, he's done a number of really good things. Uh, a lot of Stephen King adaptations. Um, he did The Riding of the Bullet, which I said I couldn't watch. He did Sleepwalkers, which wasn't on my direct list, but I gotta say, it was an enjoyable movie. Uh, you know, he, uh, he was in The Howling. He was in, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff. Guy's fantastic. Guy's, guy's truly a genre kind of worker uh he was a writer for uh, the fly too uh, he was a writer for critters too you know dude's done some good work uh, i recommend you know if you're unfamiliar with him look up his resume and you'll probably see a few things you've seen on there so you know kind of a kind of thing but so this was this was stephen king's direct vision of what of what the adaptation should have been Unfortunately, it found itself on Made for TV, uh, network Made for TV at that. So I will say that I don't think it is as strong as it could be. The special effects are pretty outdated, um, but it was cast really well. Uh, Steven Weber from Wings. I know this dude has done a million things, but he will always be the dude from Wings to me. So uh, oh, that's the problem. Uh, he plays Jack, and he does Jack right in Stephen King's mind, where he's truly... A father who's done some bad things, but is trying to be a good person, who is not a psychopath, is doing his absolute best to be a good father, to keep himself there, who then becomes corrupted by this place, by the Overlook Hotel. Uh, you know, uh, we get Rebecca de Mornay as uh, Wendy, uh, who doesn't quite exude the oh my god victim terror that, uh, you know, we had in the original. Um, you know, and then we get young Danny, who's fantastic, uh, the kid that plays him. Now, I will still say this is one where the original has it just truly beat is Danny Torrance, because this kid was great, but just could not keep up with what the original was. Um, 
But now, ultimately, what we run into is you run into a movie where we got a true adaptation, but on a lesser budget with with less talent uh, behind the scenes, uh, with more restrictions, and it winds up being a good fun watch. Um, I don't not recommend it. It's about 273 minutes long, so it's definitely a long one, as it should be. But, you know, there's uh, there's a lot here. Uh, the biggest thing for me is some things that, you know, I, there's, there's stuff in the books that you, you always kind of want to see translated to the screen, especially if you're a reader. And, you know, obviously, uh, I grew up a reader, so like I said, for me, Stephen King books are a big thing. You kind of covered that, but um, seeing just what was on the pages kind of come to life here, even though it wasn't great. Uh, the hedge maze, you know, or, or even the hedges, the lion hedges coming to life and actually moving, you know, that thing was, that was freaking cool. You know, now it doesn't look as good as it did. Um, it looked very CG because it was very CG and it was very CG in the 90s when, you know, there there wasn't a good, a good form of CG in the 90s. Let's be honest here. Uh, if you weren't Steven Spielberg or James Cameron, your CG didn't look good. It was shit. Uh, do what you can, but uh, it ain't going to get much better than that. So, uh, but yeah, I recommend this, guys. Uh, you know, if you want to see what King feels like is the true adaptation of his work, this is it. That's the one. You know, that that's where it's at. Do I think it's as good as the Kubrick? No, no, I don't. But I also don't think you can really compare the two because they're vastly different. So, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick being Stanley Kubrick is visionary masterpiece director. Uh, Mick Garris is a good director. He does good horror, but, you know, that's what he does. Uh, he's nothing about this outside of the box. Uh, and it's long, man. It's, it's a little long-winded. They could have cut an hour off of it. And made it a three-hour movie, and it probably still would have been, you know, that they could have done more with less. Uh, yeah, but that, that's pretty much the end of it. I'm not going to get into the Langoliers. If you haven't seen the Langoliers, good for you. Uh, that's six hours of your life you won't get back. So, uh, congratulations. I would definitely not recommend it. Um, going back into the made-for-TV stuff. You know, let's go through some of the made-for-TV movies, because the thing I noticed with them uh, a lot as I walk down this list is uh, they're terrible. Desperation. Uh, I love the book Desperation. I love the Regulators. I love those two series being tied so closely together. I got to tell you, man, the freaking, the, the, the version they put out on ABC was utter and absolute hot garbage. Ron Perlman could not save that. It was so bad. The directing was bad. The acting was bad. The writing was bad. It was hard to watch. Uh, sat through it. Will not sit through it twice. Read the book. The book is an enthralling read. Like It wrapped me up and was fucking fantastic. I loved the book. I read it in high school. Uh, I read both of them in high school. I read it in the sequel. Um, you know, we got some things put together out of Nightmares and Dreamscapes. We got a remake of Children of Corn. Um, you know, a bunch of things there. That brings us to the actual TV shows. That's where I'm going to be honest. Uh, 
my 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 TV show listing. I haven't watched many of them. Actually, I've only watched two: The Dead Zone. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I love The Dead Zone. Growing up, uh, I've seen the original. You know, good old CW. Christopher Walken there uh, was fantastic in that. That movie was great. Directed by Cronenberg. That's uh, it, on my more of my better adaptation list, along with The Shining and all that. You know, but for me, you know, the the show starring Anthony Michael Hall, who's just you know was just cast in uh, the new Halloween movies as uh, as uh, as uh, Little Tommy Doyle. You know, he's He's fantastic. This is this is a kid who was, you know, the nerdy kind of a sex-starved teenager in, in in all the nice '80s high school movies. But he grew up into being a full-fledged awesome actor. Does really really well, uh, and he plays that role so well. Um, I'm not sure. I think it. Last time I saw it, I believe it is on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm not going to go into details because uh, it ran for, uh, what were we for? Well, it ran for five years, so I mean, that's a lot of show. Uh, it was a USA Network show, uh, so long story short, guy's in a car wreck, um, he goes into a coma, comes out of the coma with psychic abilities, he touches somebody, boom, showtime, you know? Uh, the things that he covers along the way, the things that he sees, the people that he saves. Uh, so good. Man, that, that show was fantastic. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched. I watched it while it was actually airing on TV. And, you know, it went off the air in 2007. So, I mean, you know, we're looking at 12 years. Uh, I was, uh, you know, in my, I was actually about 20 at that point. So, I mean, I've slept and drank profusely since then. So. There's some. There's going to be some patchy stuff. I'm not going to go into. But to go into more recent fare, the only other one I've seen on this list, or at least to start with, um, is Mr. Mercedes. So, Mr. Mercedes, I gotta say, uh, first of all, it's in a weird spot because it's on a weird streaming kind of platform. Um, I won't say that I necessarily uh, watched it in the most legitimate of ways. Uh, it's on AT&T Audience, which is not a channel or a streaming service I have access to. So, you know, I kind of went around the rules because I heard good things. Uh, cast stupidly well. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, who I, again, he's one of those amazing actors who I'll watch through just about anything. Uh, you know, uh, the the villain, uh, the guy that plays Brady, Harry Treadaway. I've seen him in things. I can't think of what I would call him, you know, but he's good. Uh, Kelly Lynch is in this. Uh, she was the the ridiculously hot doctor lady from Roadhouse. Uh, Roadhouse. You know, she uh, she got to uh, she got to be seduced by a shirtless. Uh, Patrick Swayze several times in that movie, so you know, good for her. Um, man, he 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 had the uh, he had the stuff back then, man. He could do no wrong. So yeah, uh, Mary Louise Parker popped up in the first season of this. You know, there's a lot of really good stuff here, but I gotta tell you, man, this is a 
it's a good show. I, 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 confession, I've only seen the first season. I don't know how well it's adapted over for the second season. Uh, I've heard it's interesting things. Uh, I will end up downloading and watching at some point. But i got to tell you, man, the first one has uh, some pretty uncomfortable, pretty unnerving shit on it, man. Uh, just to be completely frank with you. There are some scenes, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. Uh, you know, if you don't want spoilers, jump ahead. Um, basically, it's about a guy who mowed down an entire series of people with a Mercedes uh, at a job fair. A bunch of people, you know, in the cold with kids there trying to get jobs, and the kid kills them all. Uh, there's this big, there's a police officer doing everything he can do to attempt to you know, figure out what's going on, but, you know, the police say it was a drunk driver, you know, uh, you know, there's all these things that think it's an isolated incident, you know, nothing else, uh, you know, basically in their mind, you know, there's not much to this, but the guy's convinced it's, you know, basically a serial offender, somebody's going to do this again, and sure enough, he's right, because this dude's screwing with him, he's sending him freaking videos, he's hacking into his computer, doing all this, and, you know, he's got plans to do significantly more than the like 20 odd people he got in this one but there's a moment uh, it's towards the end of the season so just to kind of it goes through a lot of the standard serial killer tropes of you know abusive childhood blah 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 uh, kids in an incestuous relationship with his mother she does she's pretty freaking horrible but he's poisoned this uh, this hamburger meat uh, to basically kill a dog in the neighborhood but he never got to use it so it wound up in the freezer so his mother is decided she's she stopped drinking she's going to become mother of the year blah 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 she finds the hamburger in the freezer she starts cooking dinner and she's taste testing it as she goes well it kills her very violently very graphically all on screen while he's you know, he's upstairs. She comes down and discovers it and then realizes what she's done. And it is truly one of the hardest moments to watch on TV I think I've ever seen. Like, it's it's rough. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's it's up there. Like, and it's not even that it's necessarily graphic, graphic, because it is. It's a little graphic. She's, you know, she's losing her insides. But um, it's just the uncomfortable nature of it. And, you know, knowing what they've done all the way up, and this is the one kill that wasn't intentional for him, uh, but, you know, that kind of jumps his uh, his psycho moment way up because, you know, now he's got a dead mother in the house. What do you do? You, you, you go the rest of the way. He goes the rest of the way. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so Mr. Mercedes, if you've got time, uh, it's, uh, it's about 10 episodes a season. Um, they're about an hour an episode, so you're looking at about 20 hours, but you know, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I can, I can say that I enjoyed it. I can say that I recommend at least the first season. I'm going to try to sit through the second when I finally do, I will kind of give you a recap on what I think. Um, apparently that has been renewed for a third season. So apparently we did well enough to, to justify that. So, uh, I will keep you posted. Um, that's kind of it, man. I mean, other than, like I said, the major, major movies, which, you know, it's a separate topic for a separate day. 
you know, this, this being my trial run, I'm hoping this this turns out smooth and buttery. And all you sultry people out there in the podcast radio land, you know, you get you get something out of this you like, or at the very least, you know, you find a, you find something in here maybe you haven't seen. You find something in here maybe you know, I'm recommending to you for the first time. You know, something you've got your way to watch. Uh, you know, I'm on. I'm on a lot of different platforms to, to, to be able to watch stuff, and even I can't find some of this. So, you know, maybe maybe some of these, you know, it's a community thing. Maybe we can bring each other together. Uh, that's what I'd like to see. You know, I would like for this to be a platform for me to be able to reach out to you, you to be able to reach back to me for, you know, fans to share fan experiences. And yes, long term, uh, you know, no, I won't be doing this by myself. Yeah, I've got a voice. It's uh, it's a little interesting. I have a draw. I uh, I'm not gonna lie, 100%. I am completely self-conscious about the way I talk, the way I sound. Uh, I, I don't feel like I have a voice that a lot of people want to hear. I'm told otherwise, so you know maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe those people are right. Maybe not. Maybe you're all listening to this. Maybe you got tired five minutes into it and you said, "Fuck this! I'm not listening to this guy." Jesus Christ. Please give me somebody better. Uh, if that's the case, guys, you know, be honest with me. Uh, I'm going to go out of my way to uh, to make this as fan-friendly as possible. I want you guys to be able to listen to this. I want this to be an hour and a half, two hours of your day, you know, every couple of weeks where you can, you know, turn it on and enjoy yourself. Because that's what podcast does for me. I don't have to watch something. You know, I don't have to do something. I can literally turn it on while I'm in the shower. I can listen to it while I'm in the car. I can keep that going, and I can keep those trains of thought. And, you know, I pick up some things. I do some things. I learn some things. I find out some things. You know, that's what I love about it. Man. That's what the genre's for itself. It's about being open-minded. So, you know, it's, it's nice to grow and to work with people. Uh, I like to teach. I like to show people things. So, you know, maybe this is this is where my future is. You know, I'd love to get out of that 60-hour-a-week retail hell that I work in. It's uh, it's a little soul-crushing. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is where we go. I don't know. But I know I'm not going anywhere without your feedback. So, guys, please, 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 there's really not much more I can say. Uh, reach out to me. Uh, I have social media. You can find the links to that below. Um, you can find my email address below, guys. Please, when I share this, uh, if you've made it this far, uh, give me that follow-up. Give me that follow-through. Give me that feedback. Tell me uh, I'm good, bad, terrible, awesome, depraved, insane, happy, you know, whatever. I don't care. Uh, even if you just want to, you know, shower me with uh, complaints about your day, I'll read them. I got nothing better to do. So, yeah, just, uh, just please give me a shout back. Uh, in the meantime, guys, uh, stay frosty out there. It's a, it's a crazy world. Somebody's got to talk about it. So uh, I look forward to hopefully being that guy for you. Uh, if you need anything, I'm on the other end of the Internet, so probably not your first day. Remember to call authorities. You guys have a lovely rest of your two weeks. I look forward to being back here in two weeks to talk about something new. Uh, I expect to see some follow-up links for that. Uh, I will definitely be keeping in touch. You'll know what's going on with me, and I promise I, I won't be a stranger. Unless you want me to be. Later.
You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. Beware the moon, lads.